0: Recognizing the invisible. You see, there was this young woman of uh, 12 years old, lay dying, while another woman had been bleeding continuously for the exact same number of years, 12 years. And the older woman, who very well may have still been in her childbearing years, had spent, the text says, every penny she had on doctors to try to figure out how to get well with no success. So she was completely broke, and she was feeling hopeless and helpless And still bleeding. And coming up from behind Jesus, she touches the outer part of his garment with this quick light touch. And the scripture tells us that immediately she knew that her bleeding had stopped. And Jesus notices this and in verse 45, our text says this, Who touched me? And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. In other words, this is a kind of a ridiculous question. <laughs> what do you mean, who touched you? We've been getting pushed and shoved, almost crushed by the crowds all day. There are people everywhere. So, Jesus being jostled from all sides, maybe a little bit like trying to get into Walmart on Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, this observation seems just a bit strange. But in verse 46, 46, Jesus says this, Someone touch me. I know that power... Has gone from me. This power that went out, this word dunamis in the Greek, the word we get the word dynamite today, this energy, it's associated with Jesus in other passages of Scripture, but also with the Holy Spirit and therefore also with us. Jesus identifies the woman who was not intending to be seen or make a scene. Jesus takes the risk of embarrassing her in this moment, and He called her out so that others would know that she was healed. Why was that important? Well, verse 48, imagine Jairus and his daughter who's yet to be healed, and Jesus was on his way to Jairus' home. He says to the woman, this woman of 12 years, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You see, Jesus wanted us to see, or those around them to see, and therefore then us to see, the power of faith. Faith. And he points out that her faith was significant. And he calls this out because he wants Jairus, whose daughter is dying, to see this woman's faith. And Jesus called her out then to give her a blessing. And I think that it's important that he very warmly affirms her identity and says, Daughter... In all the Gospels, this is unique to her. And then suddenly someone comes up to this huddled group and uh, says, "While well, Jairus is there and Jesus is there and the disciples are there and they're all within earshot of one another. Verse 49, don't bother the teacher, your daughter, the 12-year-old, is dead. And Jesus immediately calls Jairus to have faith and then he heads to Jairus' home and he tells everyone there, no, she's not dead, but asleep. And they laugh at him, the Bible says. And he tells the little child, to get up, and she does. Let's pray. Lord God, as we think about your Word today, this simple narrative written 2,000 years ago, what could it possibly, how could it possibly, in what ways could it possibly Speak to us today. But I believe through your Holy Spirit, it surely can and will. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's my main point. Invisibility is a massive spiritual challenge. Let me see if I can decode that for just a minute. First of all, the invisible, this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, are children of God too. Jesus is touched by someone, and the disciples, who cannot seem to see, they don't get it. She is completely invisible to them. There are lots of people touching Jesus. He's in a crowd. When surrounded by many, you often see no one in particular. On the other hand, there's the little girl who was in bed dying and Jesus was heading her way. However, she had a dad, a synagogue ruler at that who saw his daughter and was advocating for her. However the bleeding woman, in contrast, except for Jesus' awareness, who touched me, would have been completely overlooked. So I got to thinking about invisible people. I got to thinking about people that are overlooked. And I happened to get an email in my inbox so from a little devotional reading that I occasionally do this week called, Who Are Those Often Overlooked from Crosswalk? And I wanted to show you that as a starting point, the 10 most overlooked people in your church. Singles. Do you know that in Rock Hill and Webster... I don't even know if I can still believe this. I just did the search, but I'm still not sure about my data. Somebody else straight me out who can search better than I can. 53% of the population is single. In Rock Hill, Webster, in Brentwood, it's 66%. I'm going to I have to keep moving, so I'm going to just give you a lot of stuff to think about this morning, okay? How about people with illnesses that are most overlooked? How about college-age kids? No, this is their list, not mine. I'll give you mine in a minute. Emotionally wounded people. This is the case of the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. Those who have lost a spouse, we talked about that with widows just a few weeks back. How about those from a non-dominant ethnic background and how invisible they can be? In Rock Hill, 28% African-American. And again, to the degree that we embrace one of our values of diversity, That we grow in reflecting, at the very least, reflecting our community. How about those who are struggling financially? Todd, this one's for you introverts. We've got plenty of those in this church. How about those without children and those living different, alternate lifestyles? All right. I started to think about these invisible groups, and then a bunch of questions came to mind. How about those who were once active in the church but have fallen out and feel a stigma about coming back? How awkward it is sometimes. How about my mind wandered a whole different direction? Those who are incarcerated, are they invisible? How about people who are afraid of social settings, particularly since COVID? They just really haven't come out all that much. What I read this week was that 16 million working-age Americans have long COVID, meaning they're still struggling with it. 16 million. That's a pretty big number. How about people who are shut in? I had a friend who sold medical equipment And he would did this for a pharmacy, and he would go house to house. And he said, you can't believe hundreds, thousands, thousands of homes in this area where you'll go into a little home, and somebody will be there all alone, pretty much tied to their bed, to their medical equipment. All right, I got to thinking about my list in a few different ways, and how about this? 20 to 26% of the population, people with disabilities. That, that number is the number, it's stated, the number, not, I can't remember now if it's adults or total of the total population in the U.S. 20 to 26% have a disability, often described as the largest minority group and they carry a the second distinction of being America's most invisible population how about those with mental illness 20% of our population scribed has a diagnosis psychological diagnosis in any given year 20% of the population, 4% with a severe schizophrenia kind of diagnosis. How about those with alcohol and drug-related concerns, 16.5% of the population, 46.3 million of those 12 and older met the criteria criteria for having substance abuse disorder in the past year, and another 29.5 million people with an alcohol use disorder. Craziness in terms of these numbers. I continued, what about those in prison? Well, currently 2 million people in prisons and jails. That's a little less than 1 percent of the population, 0.7 percent of the population currently behind bars. And then I wondered about another group. What about the the homeless? Wow, the homeless, that hardly even makes a mark. It's only 500,000 people, 0.18 percent of the population, but invisible? This doesn't count human sex trafficking, a truly invisible group. Then I went back and did another research and I realized four million adults are completely homebound. Then that got my mind to thinking about another category. People who we wish were in church but they don't have transportation to get here. 19% of the households in the city of St. Louis do not have a car. That's astounding. Four times as likely to not have a car If you are black. How about this category? 10 to 12 million or 3% of the population are undocumented aliens, illegal immigrants, human beings. 3%. Now here's another way of looking at it according to the U.S. Department of Labor Bureau statistics, 35% of Americans work on the weekend. That's one out of three. 31% of those that work on the weekend, that's their single job holders. Another 20-some percent of that are multiple, have a, it's a second job. Then I thought about this category. 68 million people in the US speak something other than English in their home as their primary language. Here's how that's relevant. If you're not an English speaker native, and we only have an English-speaking service, you're much, much more likely to find a place to worship, if you can find one, that speaks your mother tongue. So you think of all these people who are invisible by circumstance or by choice, and it's tens of millions, hundreds of millions, people. Those with chronic disabilities, those with physical and mental health struggles, those with drug and alcohol are invisible to many of us, those with financial are financially insecure, their struggles keep them invisible working at on Sunday or homeless, those with language barriers, immigrants, Second point in terms of the invisible is the invisible respond with faith. We'll see this again and again in Scripture, but it's they're the ones who have run out of options and turn to the Lord God. And we see it with this woman. Who's been bleeding for 12 years. And there's Jesus. He's a skillful, sensitive healer. And he reminds her of, of, he reminds us of the centrality of faith. And he respects and points out the faith of this woman. And we see the faith of this woman in contrast to the unfaith of the disciples and the unfaith of those who are in Jairus' home. And the text creates this tension for each one of us. To the invisible woman, your faith has healed you. That is, it's made you whole. It's brought salvation to you. Finally, I want us to think about this. The invisible power of God is in you another turn in this passage. You see, power went out of Jesus, and the Bible doesn't give us much there, but Jesus said, someone touch me. I know that power has gone out from me. You see, it's God's power, God's energy, and and, and the energy of the universe somehow is compressed into Jesus, the God-man. And it goes out because of the invisible woman has faith. Well, I want to suggest to us, before we get out of here this morning, that the energy of the universe is what we are made up of as well. When we are given God's Spirit, this is God's energy, God's power. We are the people of Jesus. In some form, we have this same power. Likely not... In the same concentration that Jesus had it, albeit. I get that. None of us are Jesus. You see, the doctors of Jesus' day couldn't touch her problem, clearly pointing out that none are like Jesus. Only Jesus is Jesus. However, I do see that we are representatives, we are ambassadors with similar aims in this story, just as Jesus had energy to give, so do we. Let me explain it this way. Some of you out here are psychologists, and others are counselors. Others are social workers. You are like Jesus. Every day you are affirming the needs of the most invisible, and like the woman in our story, reminding them of their identity, daughter of the most high God. And some of you are nurses and nurse practitioners. And I see the sensitivity, the care, the compassion, the relationship that Jesus has with this woman corresponding to those in the caring professions. Don't see the Casas here this morning, but you know, Collins. Some of you are doctors, and today's doctors in the medical community are almost miracle workers in our times, at least at times, with the advances in medicine. It's amazing we're healers, like Jesus was a healer. I got to thinking when I saw that number about so many people who English is not their native language, some are language experts. I thought about Freddie and her, her, the, the gift that she has, her, her, her ability with language. Her power is speaking the mother tongue of another or with another. And then some of us are simply good neighbors. You see, we're family, if we will stop and assess our family, and you can use that in a littler, literal sense or an extended family or, or, or those who are like family, you are family to otherwise invisible children. And you know one or maybe two or maybe three invisible people And you know God's power to heal. And so I want to send you again this morning as pastors, as helpers, as healers, as counselors, as lovers as affirmers, to recognize and remind the invisible children of the things of the Spirit. Your faith has healed you. You see, it's the nurses and the counselors and the teachers and the doctors and the social workers and the translators and the neighbors and the pastors working together, relying on and calling upon the power of God and doing the works of Jesus every day. And do you know what happens? Here's the irony of all of this. We often don't see it in our own community of faith. Because it's going on over here within your network. And it's going on over here. And it's going on back there. And it's going on in your neighborhoods. And it's going on through you representing and modeling what's right in our text this morning. Being Jesus to the invisible around you. So here's the irony. And I leave this with you as both a challenge and an encouragement. God's work through us is often invisible to others and even to us. May the Lord have his way with you today.